0: Hello, everyone. This is the What Is Life podcast. Uh, Before we begin, I just wanted to say a few things first. This is our first episode, so we have some audio inconsistencies and background noise, which we will improve in later episodes. And we're also using placeholder music. And also, the episode itself is a lot longer than we're planning on having episodes of the show be. Yeah,
1: what was it? At like a minute and uh, an hour and 30 minutes?
0: An hour and 30 or so. Okay. yeah.
1: I mean, I think our target it'd be good for us to keep it to like 60 minutes
0: yeah for sure I think an hour is a reasonable (laughs) is is
1: enough time for us to take from you listener
0: yeah we figured for the first episode it was important to get to know your co-hosts also we have a website where you can see the show notes and get links to some of the stuff we talk about Mm -hmm. Um, Jenny talks a lot about bladesmithing in this episode
2: my new passion
0: so our website is whatislifepodcast.com you can see the show notes there And uh, yeah, okay, here's what is life. Hope you enjoy it. Don't forget to subscribe. All right, hi.
1: Hi, are you recording? Yeah. (gasps) We're recording.
0: I'm just recording incidental stuff. Okay. Because I'm going to cut it all together.
1: Okay, because you're editing.
0: I'm going to make it interesting.
1: Oh, yeah. Interesting. You know? My God, it's been so long. I know. A decade. It's true. People only had to wait a decade (laughs) to hear us come back.
2: I know, that's great.
0: Three, two, one, go. Go. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Welcome to the What Is Life podcast. Hello. I am Chris Furness.
1: I am Jimmy Co.,
0: And we are a podcast about all the things in life that make you go, what is life?
2: <laughs> Something we say to each other, <laughs> a lot.
0: It's true. Uh, and you can leave it up to interpretation. Um, and we're going to leave it up to interpretation, too, on this show. It'll be interesting. So um,
1: Yeah, I like open-ended topics like that that we can just sort of explore yeah. and dive into.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, we're going to be a kind of a variety podcast. Um, we're going to have v- different guests on. Uh, we're going to talk to people just about life and family and, and all of that stuff. So, their
2: passions.
0: Their passions. Yes. That's the thing. That's the secret sauce. Yeah. Um, We both really appreciate listening to podcasts and just people in general talking about things that activate them.
1: Yeah. And talking and and, um, almost like they're very enthusiastic about it. And so it's, it's a natural kind of authentic endorsement. Right. You know, they're not trying to market something, but because they love it so much. Right. They can't help but like naturally just... Talk about it. Yeah. Be excited about
0: it. Yeah, and that's kind of how we are, and that's kind of the role that we play in. Yeah, we're dorks. (laughs) Okay,
1: fine. I won't speak for you. I'm a dork.
0: I'm a dork too, for sure. I think that's why we love each other so much. Um but we tend to be evangelists about things that we're really into, to people in our orbit. And um yeah, so some uh business stuff, like if you want to support the show, you want to follow the show, we have a Twitter account right now, um, what is life cast, all one word. We're going to set up a Patreon and a Discord and stuff, like, as it starts to make sense. Um, And so, yeah, check us out uh, there to support the show. You also support the show just by listening. So,
1: thanks. And, you know, we're kind of taking things slow because, I mean, we're parents. We have two kids. We have a menagerie of animals (laughs) that we need to look after. Mm -hmm. You'll hear about them all throughout. You might hear Um, them. Yeah, you you may. We're right next to the chickens. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, we have chickens. Uh, Some
0: context about us for people that are joining us from the Weekly Geek feed, because we're going to cross post this to the Weekly Geek feed.
1: Oh, my gosh. So the Weekly Geek? A million
0: years ago, we had a
1: podcast.
0: Uh, We, like a decade ago, stopped our podcast because we were having a baby.
1: Yeah, it was December um, two thousand eleven was our last episode. Yeah, because um, Avery was born in February in February two thousand twelve.
0: That's right. So we'll, we'll walk back a little bit. We'll, we'll talk about our history a little bit. So. In college, when I was in college in, like, 2001 to 2006, uh, I was on the radio station there, and I did a radio show with my friend Grant, uh, who was known as The Geek, and we did video game reviews and stuff like that, and he had a show called The Weekly Geek, uh, and we kept up with it after graduation as a podcast, because it was, like, 2005, 2006-ish, and podcasting was just, like, becoming a thing.
1: Yeah, it was, like, the early... Early startings.
0: Yeah. It was like right when RSS came out. Right? Yeah. I was like, oh, cool. A way oh, to
1: keep Google up to Google days. Things. Yeah.
0: Was, those were Halcyon days. Yeah. The salad days. <laughs> nice Halcyon salads. Uh, and so then in around like 2008, you and I met. Seven. Seven? 2007. You September. And I yes. September. Around this time. Yeah. Yeah. So we have been together for uh
1: Can you do a, now? a long time. <laughs> 14 years. 14 years.
0: And uh so you joined the show?
1: I did. Well, I was listening to all of the um, you know, recordings going on because I was always there like right. in the apartment when the recordings were happening and stuff. And then um I think I just wanted to become more involved.
0: Yeah, and it made you know? sense. It it, yeah. it didn't make a lot of sense for you to just sit there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, just like, wait, I've, I have shit to say. Yeah. And <laughs> I disagree with what you're saying right now.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> you want to be able to... Like, you know when you're listening to a podcast and you want to talk to the host, you want to, like, shout at them about stuff? Uh, you got to do that and real did. That was I did. That great. I did. But the, the show itself was ostensibly about video games, but we... Would always talk about other other things. Yeah,
1: we evolved, right? Um, as we started to grow and evolve as people, our interests started taking like you know just new forms and shapes. And so I think as we explored all those things, um, yes, it was like rooted and grounded in video games, um, but we were also able to talk about like what each of us had going on. Yeah. Yeah. At that time.
0: And so our framing device for that show was, "What's going on in video games this week? What are we playing?" You know. I just spilled coffee on myself. Well done. Thanks. It can't be. Uh, pilot episode of a podcast without some sort of disaster yeah that's fine
1: i'm good great a little bit
0: we've been initiated um so then we had other people join friends in our orbit join we had case and ryan and ross Ross, um and grant and and his wife amy were (laughs) on her friend mike who would come on for Music. music stuff
1: sparky used to do like cooking stuff oh
0: yeah sparky we had a whole blog yeah uh, we had a bunch of people who wrote for the blog. Yeah. And so we were big in the the games journalism sort of like space around that I time wrote period.
1: One game review. You did. Yes. What was it? Um, Advance Wars. Advance Wars. Yes,
0: that's a great one. Yes. Uh, and yeah, it was like it was the time in game reviews when it was like you would split up the game reviews based on like graphics and sound, <laughs> like.
1: Oh shit! Was basic.
0: It was really basic. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but we made a lot of connections with uh, people in you know the industry and stuff, and we, we made the blog rounds a lot. We were on like taku and, and stuff like that back in the day. Our PAX parties. Our packs parties were legendary.
1: <laughs> they were fun.
0: We were so good because we're in Seattle. So uh, every year when the Penny Arcade Expo would uh, come around, we would have our games journalism friends over, and we lived really central in Capitol Hill. Yeah. Uh, and they would come and they'd charge their devices, they would charge their phones. We, and it, it was
1: it was like come hang out before you go to industry parties. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so we would do like a barbecue and like good food. Yeah. Um, and we would we would start probably like five or six. Yeah. Right. Just so, cause we knew, we knew the, the pace of like what PAX was like for journalists that were attending. Right. Um, so we just wanted to offer like a little respite, you yeah. know, an oasis in the middle of all the chaos. Yeah.
0: And we loved cooking. We still love cooking. Yeah. Um, so we would cook for everybody and we would, we would go into the wee hours of the night. It was awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: And we would, uh, meet a bunch of really cool people. Uh, we had like one time, Uh, Dan Paladin, the artist from Castle Crashers got uh, his arm scratched up by our cat Sammy. Sammy.
2: Yeah,
0: Uh, We didn't know that he was showing up to the party which was great. Someone was like your cat just mauled somebody and I walk over and I'm like are you Dan (laughs) Paladin?
1: That was an experience.
0: It was really good. It was a lot of fun. Um, And so yeah PAX uh, was a like a a formative kind of uh, thing for us. We would have like I remember one year um Asif Siddiqui came over and he was like a brand new friend, but he was launching a Kickstarter. He was launching, uh, what's it? The Bloodstained Kickstarter for uh, Igarashi. And so he was working the entire party, but out of our apartment. That was uh,
1: amazing. Which was
0: super cute. And so he was launching this Kickstarter and he was really sort of like, you know, had tons of anxiety about it and everything, but then eventually got to relax and eat some food.
1: Oh, one of my favorite moments was um, meeting Asher
0: yeah that was so yeah
1: that was so great because threes is like one of my favorite games Mm -hmm. ever um i still play it every day yeah it's it's over a decade old now right and i still i still play it i love it um and just the fact that i was just like oh yay asher you made this game i love this game thank you
0: (laughs) yeah no and it's great too because like i feel like a lot of the people that we met like during those PAX parties, are still really close acquaintances. We still all and the have...
1: Twitterverse very and like the Very warm feelings. Yeah, and like that, in, in our internet universe. Yeah. Know? Yeah.
0: They're like our, our ride or dies, basically, which yeah. is really cool. And it's, I, that's one thing that I really appreciated about the podcast and community in general was like meeting like-minded people. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we were, we grew up internet people, right? We grew up looking for community and like having the vetting process of being able to you know learn about somebody online first before meeting them in person and like that was really important especially for people who are a little bit uh neurodivergent I guess
1: well and we met through OkCupid that's true you know we met through the internet. That's our
0: origin story. Yes,
1: yes, yes. No, that's true. So,
0: get a very high match rating.
1: That's true. You, you, and I. I think I had the highest match rating with you.
0: It was like ninety
1: eight percent or I don't know nine, okay it, was like it wasn't that crazy maybe. it was like no maybe ninety-two. I don't know it was pretty high for OkCupid it was really high um and at we were, the time
0: and we were both the very particular kind of nerds that were going through and like filling out all the the quizzes yes and so our data was really
1: good yes <laughs> the algorithm worked for us
0: it worked for us yeah that's true I fear
1: algorithms we'll yeah. talk about that later
0: now <laughs> no that's that's an interesting topic too that I think that would be interesting to explore to, with d- people
1: d- dive into oh to, yeah
0: to be like how the Internet has changed, yeah. and how our generation has witnessed the change. You know, because we are the last generation that remembers a time before the internet. Yes, and it having an emergence.
1: What of- do they call us?
0: The
1: Exen Exennials or, or There
0: were the um, elder millennials.
1: Elder millennials. The Oregon or Trail like, generation. Yeah, because it's like I I'm I'm we're both cuspy.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, in yeah. that Gen X millennial, like whatever. And what whatever you think about like, you know, generational sort of categorizations and stuff, um, I think there are still are patterns there that you can discern. Yeah. You yeah, know? For sure. Um, and I'm a data Nerd, and I love data. So right. I, I look at things like in a d- very data kind of um, framed way.
0: Sure, totally. We were both like born in like 80 or 81. And so we're not exactly millennials and not exactly Generation X. So that's a uh, it's a it's an interesting role.
1: Yeah, because I I I very much identify with a lot of the Gen X characteristics. Absolutely. But I also identify with a lot of the Millennial characteristics as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. So that would
0: yeah. be a fun topic. Yeah, and that's kind of like the plan of the show. I think like we'll we'll have single topics for people. You know, we'll have a guest on and maybe it'll be, or hopefully it'll be something that is their uh, expertise or they have a particular point of view about, you know, like we'll have uh, you know, maybe we'll have Asher on and we can talk about uh, developing mobile games or we'll have
1: just threes. Can we have a, a, a you know, tribute to threes?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, th- that'll be, uh, that'll be what is life. And we'll, we'll talk about, uh, aging and the passage of time (laughs) oh dear yeah So um, yeah, why don't we talk about what we've been up to in the past decade or so? So we ended our show at episode three hundred.
1: Oh wow, that that's epic! That we ended up at a round number. It
0: was a wonderful like coincidence. Yeah, we were just like this feels right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that we didn't continue up to like Avery's birth. Yeah, and we just ended it at three hundred. That that was smart.
0: Yeah, totally. Because like we also so Avery, our oldest, he's now nine. Um, he was born in. 2012 and he, dragon baby It's a dragon baby um and Doverkin. being that he was our first kid we didn't know what to expect and so when we were scared you know all, all parents of like
1: i was wrecked totally avery was almost 11 pounds at birth
0: so you were physically wrecked
1: i, I was physically <laughs> emotionally mentally wrecked
0: Yeah, and we just didn't know if we would have the time to continue the podcast, and we had actually gotten to the point with the Weekly Geek where we met every Monday, recorded for an hour, and then I edited for an hour, and then pushed it live that night. Like, we had a workflow down Uh right but even then with all of the friction removed with recording and you know most of the time when people are recording podcasts and they have guests on the guests have to record their audio on their end and all that stuff but I developed a way to just record everything all in one input
1: no it was Ubercaster was amazing
0: yeah it was an app called Ubercaster that isn't actually supported now um but
1: bring it back
0: bring it just like
1: bring back Google Reader
0: (laughs) right (laughs) um so even even with that we were like eh, let's just like not <laughs> let's just i
1: think
2: call it i mean
1: i was just physically tired because i couldn't move i was like a fucking beach oh can we cuss on this sure okay <sighs> we didn't talk about that yet
0: yeah no we didn't well yeah. we can get uh feedback from people too like if okay. they want to listen to the podcast with kids or whatever maybe we bleep it yeah uh, we'll, we'll decide yeah we'll i'm sorry
1: i have a i've kind of a you know Trucker sailor, amount.
0: Sure. But we actually cuss a lot less now since we're around kids a lot. Though yeah. we're not always... But we have thoughts about that. Yeah. For sure. With yeah. kids. And we'll, yeah. we'll do like a focused parenting episode I or multiple. So. I mean, that's just going to come it's, up anyway. It's
1: going to be one of those like recurring topics and themes. Yeah, yeah. I think in our discussions because we are parents and it is, you know, it is a core part of our identity.
0: Yeah. But I also don't want people who are not parents to think that this show is not for them. Exactly. Because one role that we have also played in our lives is being the vanguard or being the inspiration for people who are maybe thinking about having kids or curious about what it's like to be a parent and not
1: that makes us sound so pretentious
0: Why? <laughs> i don't being know <laughs> that's just my because no,
1: okay class. i have i have a reaction to the word <laughs> vanguard because of nexium Oh. That was what Keith Rainieri was called oh, in Nexium. Sex cult. Yes,
0: he was called Vanguard.
1: Yes. Okay. And so I'm kind of like. Okay.
0: <laughs> no, that's fair. I'm I'm totally uh, willing to change based on that. Like yesterday on Twitter, somebody was like, I, I think it should be illegal for parents to call their kids littles," and I was like you know, I actually really like that term. And then uh, someone, uh, John Brownlee, came up and he's like, no, it's actually a BDSM term (gasps) uh, for people who have subs that are like, uh, it's like age play stuff, right? And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I still think it's a cute term. (laughs) Like the intersection there uh, is Is
1: interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um,
0: Okay. I'm willing to grow. Okay. (laughs) Uh, That's something too that I think is really, I'm excited about for this podcast is that Um, I had a really difficult time listening to our podcast back when we did it and just like my voice in general, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, my journey... Yeah, you
1: you did not listen to the podcast i I did i listened to the episodes when they aired
0: right yeah no i couldn't review or anything and i think it actually really affected the quality Mm. um but i I couldn't stand the sound of my own voice because i didn't love myself Mm. right and so and that
1: journey we've been on such a journey
0: we've been on a huge journey there yeah um
1: self-discovery self-growth yeah
0: um but we've kept in touch with a lot of listeners and immediately after ending the podcast, we did a Kickstarter. Yeah. So you did a Kickstarter. Well, you helped. I that's true. You were integral to Okay. Like
1: grooming the spreadsheet. (laughs) I will accept (laughs) that I took care of all the data and the fulfillment logistics. Yes.
0: So in 2012, after uh, ending the podcast, uh, Ross and I um, worked on a book collection of the 31 Days of Zero Suit Samus, which was an art challenge that we did a few months prior. So it's actually, uh, it was the 10-year anniversary of it, of of the uh, challenge, like, last month. I think. Um, July. July, yes.
1: July July was when the Kickstarter um, got funded.
0: Okay, but we did the challenge the year before.
1: Okay, got it. Yes, yeah. that's right.
0: So this July, this upcoming July yeah. next year is going to be the 10 year anniversary of that Kickstarter. Got it. Um, but what's fascinating about that is it was before Kickstarter was really big. Yeah. Right? It was before you had the Double Fine Adventure Kickstarter. It was before you had the big million dollar Kickstarters. Yeah. And so we were.
1: Oh, yeah. Like the the um, the oatmeal guy. Right
0: the didn't, guy. Didn't he have like a... Oh yeah, he had his like Exploding Kittens.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah Exploding Kittens. Sure. That was it. Yeah. yeah, we
0: don't talk about the oatmeal guy. Yeah, that's uh, true.
1: <laughs> but when you said Million Dollar Kickstarter, that's what it reminded me of.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Um, so, the... Uh, we worked with our friends at Fangamer, uh, our friend John and Reed, and um, they did our fulfillment.
2: Yeah. And we, uh,
0: the printing of the book and everything t-shirts. like that, the t shirts. And they were really great in helping us get that uh, to the finish line. And what they did afterwards was they used that system for all their subsequent Kickstarters. So then they did, uh, was it Second Quest with David Hellman? The artist uh, from Brave.
1: I did not actually realize this. Yeah. Was what happened. Great. So David Damn. Hellman
0: was really inspired by... Yeah. He, he told me afterwards, and, <laughs> and that's how we connected.
1: That's awesome.
0: Uh, he's like, you know, I really loved the 31 Days of Zero Suit Samus, yeah. and, uh, you know, Second Quest is uh, inspired by that. Yeah. So that okay. was really cool.
1: Awesome.
0: Um, and so that really, like... Like not, you know, not to brag, but I think that that Kickstarter was total really humble integral. brag. Total humble brag. That was really integral to how yeah. Fan Gamer uh, thought about Fulfillments, and they did the Double Fine Adventure yeah. Kickstarter. that was well. huge. It was a there's a big thing, and just like yeah. fulfillment for Kickstarters was yeah. like a really big business opportunity for them. So yeah, those proud.
1: logistics, because you know, um, I remember uh, you know companies that I I've worked for thinking about doing those kinds of things yeah you know on behalf of like companies like kickstarter yeah um where they had the service readily available
0: that was one of the things that made it really difficult in the early days of kickstarter to conceptualize doing it is like having to do all of that yourself yeah Right. Like I got to ship all this stuff and like shipping costs, like having to include that in the backer. Yeah.
1: And you were lucky because I have a background in like, um, you know, operational logistics and stuff from like my corporate life. Yeah. Right. Um, And so I, I, I was able to sort of figure out like how we can, Set up the right process, right, to do things like effectively. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was fun. I was very grateful for having you involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was uh, successfully funded. We sold like something like seven hundred plus books to people. Uh, we had we had that many backers, which was incredible, and really, yeah. like, I'm super grateful too because a lot of the people who were backers of the book still interact and engage with us I
1: know right
0: like yeah. there's they're like you know book family yeah uh, which is really neat
1: well and, and think about the commissions that um, you got based on yeah. samus yeah um, you know, for from from patrons that wanted, like, you know, more Samus art.
0: Yeah, that became a thing. Because then yeah. we would go to, like, Emerald City Comic Con. Yes. We we would run a booth there. Yeah. We ran a booth and with Argus John Alley. when we did. Alley. 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 We had a really good spot yeah. that we were, like, grandfathered in, like, yeah. over the years, which yeah. was really cool. Yeah,
1: Avery grew up as, like, a Comic Con kid.
0: Yeah, when he was, like, one or two when you have is, him like under the table this was
1: when he was three because when he was one or two i would like wear you him wear in the him. carrier yeah right, right but this true. was like when he was three yeah right underneath like the our our table at our booth we set up a little cozy area for avery with like a blanket he can like lay down there sleep there um we also made sure to bring his ipad so he could play he was playing like monument valley at the time yeah. <laughs> um and watching a lot of um I don't know shows like what what shows were around then even i remember
0: he was watching like uh what's it uh pocoyo and yeah. yo gabba gabba yeah yeah yeah
2: and uh,
1: um and so we made sure but then the funniest thing was um you know avery was a, I mean, he was a fun kid he's he still is a fun kid and every once in a while he'd like stick his hand out and grab people's legs <laughs> yeah
0: it was really silly. It
2: was really, really oh, silly. Man.
0: So we did the Kickstarter. Um, we, you know, uh, w- went off into the sunset <laughs> in a way, basically. Um, you were working at Amazon for a while.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I spent like 20 years in the corporate world almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for Expedia for about 11 and I worked for Amazon almost eight.
0: Right, and what were you doing?
1: Um, a lot of it was. Um, I mean, we, I know.
2: I'm just. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah. Asking you.
1: Um <laughs> Eventually, I ended up as um, you know, like a technical product manager, right? And right. so, um, helping build visions around what kind of technical products were required as a part of um, supply chain operations. Right. And so um, I worked in both physical and digital supply chain. Right. So like Amazon's physical supply chain um, and then also Amazon's digital supply chain with Amazon video. Right. So I get really annoyed when like streaming video is not working properly because I kind of know how the back end of that works a little
0: bit. Yeah. Anytime I mean, you could, you know how a sausage is made. And yes. Then you you eat a sausage and it's not very good, and you're like, come on, yeah. You could try better. Yeah, this sausage.
1: Yeah, seriously. Care, care more. Yeah. Improve the quality. Seriously. Um, and so yeah, that that's what I did for a while. I also, um, got to work on like a secret squirrel project at Amazon. Yeah. Um, involved in the early phases of like designing um the last mile art like Amazon's last mile delivery vehicle, which was mm-hmm. you know an electric um vehicle with Rivian that's cool got to go to like Rivian headquarters and stuff (laughs) Um, and just like look at some of their secret sauce operations and how things were made, how things were being developed.
0: Like their new electric truck.
1: <laughs> yep. That's cool. Yep, and like, you know, phase 2 of vehicles that they had in the works. Yeah. Which was really cool. Like their their art studio, like all of the concept modeling that they were doing. Um, Didn't they
0: make like a fully sculpted foam version yes. of one of the yeah, electric trucks? Clay,
1: clay and foam. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and 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 they made it like life size. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I have like pictures like next to, you know, the, the model and stuff. Yeah. It's really awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. So, but I think what happened when I, when I spent that long working in corporate life was, um, because I couldn't be like my authentic self. Mm-hmm. I suffered a lot. Yeah, and, and you're I, only
0: just realizing this now.
1: Yeah, yeah. It took me. <laughs> it took me 20 years to realize.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so I, I left Corp uh, back in March this year. And um, I developed this passion for um, blacksmithing and knife making. Yes. (laughs) And so um, thankfully, I have a partner like Chris, who is um, exceptionally supportive of this new journey and passion for me. So I've got like... An awesome new shop in our garage. Yeah. Um, that I'm really kind of like converting into my own space. Yeah. Um, so I,
0: let's talk about your yeah. bladesmithing journey then. Let's, yeah. let's talk about the origins of that. Cause I think that's really cool. And I think yeah. it's surprising whenever somebody that we talk to hears about it. Yeah. They're like, what?
1: what? It's it's, a, it's like a double take kind of situation. Yeah. Where it's like, you do what?
0: Well, and it's, it's like one of those things where like, you know, hobbies in general, like when people talk about their hobbies, it's usually something that feels really accessible. Yeah. Right? It's like I got into cooking or I started painting or I got into bike riding or whatever. But, Blacksmithing and bladesmithing <laughs> is not something that people really considered
1: possible. The barrier to entry is definitely higher. But it's still right? yes. But but it's become a lot more accessible lately. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So And we'll
1: talk about that and why.
0: Totally. So how did you one find out that this was a thing and two figure out that it was a thing for you?
1: Okay, so this sounds so silly, right? But um, I remember one day it was like after we had watched like some of the blown away episodes um, for the glass, the glass blowing, blowing show. show on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, it was um, really good. If you yeah, it. It. so good. Yeah. Um, they have two seasons now, right? Uh, yeah. If you can tolerate the hosts. Yeah, and the judges, right. yeah. Um, and really be there for like the glass and the artwork. Yeah, um, if yeah, then then it's good. But just just make sure you know that you gotta tolerate yeah. some of the judges. But it's
0: really good for um, just an aside about the reality shows that yeah. we like. It's good for being like a armchair quarterback or whatever, yes. where the critique is really um, well done. Like yeah. it's that they, they like really bring you in. They teach you enough so that you can be kind of. Uh, informed a little yeah. bit more than other yeah. reality shows so that you then too can judge the work yes. based on something that's a little bit more um, objective.
1: Exactly. And and that's why I really loved that show. And so on Netflix, I had another show recommended to me, Forged in Fire. Right. And so I looked at it and I was like, oh, that's cool. It's like a knife making competition. I was like, crap. And I, I started to watch it and then I was just like, no, 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 hold on, hold on. Chris needs to watch this with me. I was like, he would totally be into this. Yeah, yeah. And we have this thing about watching, um, you know, certain media where um, I get like butthurt if Chris watched it without me or he'd get butthurt if I watched it without him because we want to have that experience together. Yeah. Um. So I paused watching it and I told Chris, I was like, I want you to watch this show with me. And so we started watching it and we became upset. With Forged and Fire. So it's a show from the History Channel. Um, The thing about Netflix, though, is it started off at season six. Yeah. Right? And so it goes from season, it gives you like season six and maybe season seven yeah, or something like that. They're on season eight. It was right kind now. of the
0: bake off thing. Yeah. thing where, they, were the where they, yes. they joined a little bit later Yes, and they're like, this is a little bit more current. And then we're going to go into the new season.
1: Exactly. And I think they did a good job with that yeah. because watching from season six got me hooked. And then I went back to watch previous episodes and I was like, I understand why they started here. Right. Um, So, yeah. Obsessed with the show. Can you talk
0: about the show, the format?
1: Sure. So, you know, the format of the show is every episode, um, you know, there's four contestants, Mm -hmm. right? And it's a three-round competition. And at the end of every episode, one person is um, named the champion for that particular episode.
0: So it's not like one group of people going through an entire season of challenges. the same people. It's different people every episode.
1: Yep. And I, I love that because it's very bite size and there is continuity in the show in terms of like seeing the judges um, and and the types of knife makers that show up and, mm. and, and things like that. You and know? some return. Yeah, yeah, some totally return and there's like a Champion of Champions episode yeah. um, or you see how one of the contestants that wins one of the Champion of Champion episodes later becomes a judge yeah. on the show. That's ben, a fun story. Right? Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, there's like Doug Markaida, who's another One of the judges, and I—he's just one of my favorite like TV personalities.
2: Yeah,
1: Um, just because you know, sweet angel, sweet baby angel, Doug is what I like to call him. (laughs) He's great. Um, and he is probably the most deadly person on that show because he could
0: shank anybody. Oh
1: my god! And you know he like dual wields, and it's it's awesome. He he's awesome. Yeah. Um. But so the four contestants they go through three rounds, right? So the first round is that is when they're forging the blade,
0: right? And they the get knife. instructions first. Yep. It's always like you have to make uh, a Bowie knife with yeah. this kind of handle, this kind of metal, these dimensions. You have to get the parameters down.
1: Yeah. Yes. Parameters become a really important aspect of the show because those are, those become the requirements. Yeah. Stylistically your knife can be, you know, however you want to do that. Right. Yeah, yeah. But they have certain requirements like measurement, like length measurement of the blade versus like the blade, including the tang. Yeah. Like, and so you have to make sure that you meet those requirements um, while still adding your own kind of unique and personal twist. Yeah. And so
0: this is one of the things that I really appreciated about it immediately was that the show felt like a really well-constructed game. Yes. You know? Yes. Like, it wasn't just about the aesthetics of a thing that you're making. You're not making the world's most beautiful sword unless yeah. that's a requirement. Yeah. It's like, can you make a knife in three hours?
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's the important thing about the first round. Um, it was it was timed. I think it was like 90 minutes that they had to usually forge the plate. Sometimes those um, you know time parameters would fluctuate Based on the um, difficulty or complexity of the challenge, and right. how much more time and effort was required, yeah. um, based on the techniques that they needed to use, um, or the the number of steps that something was going to involve.
2: Yeah, you know,
0: and so each contestant is equipped with their own forge their own anvil Mm -hmm. there's a power hammer there there's a lot of power tools to speed up the process they're also allowed to bring uh some of their own tools yes they can bring
1: their own hammers or like you know things that they can use um and you know they have a big blue power hammer yeah they also have um hydraulic presses yeah a
0: bunch of grinders
1: yeah bunch of bunch of nice grinders um that are set up on like opposite sides welders um and so everything that you will need to make a knife is supplied to you and they're usually like you know top of the line yeah. quality tools Yeah,
2: um,
1: and it's really interesting where you have you know such a wide variety of like experiences and skill levels in the smiths that show up right yeah. so some people show up never having used power tools and it's like their first time using power tools right and other people you know they've been making knives for like 20 years and they teach classes yeah. and so just seeing smiths from like all walks of life, that's also really fascinating.
0: Literally, everybody on that show, yeah. every contestant is like a cartoon
1: character. Yes, I was I know. so surprised. Not
0: only are there so many Smiths in the world that yeah. they can have four new contestants every single every episode, episode, right? For like what eight seasons now? Yeah. like that blew my mind. Yeah, but then every single one of them, you're just like. This is fascinating. I want to know everything about you. Yes. Even though like they're mostly men. Yeah. And they're mostly kind of like maybe right-leaning, kind of like their politics or might not be super great. libertarian,
1: con- possibly conservative. Yeah. Everyone's... OK, I'm making a lot of assumptions.
0: Totally, we're making assumptions. Yes. But we're also very judgy people. Um, but also, that's <laughs> something that might turn people off, right? It yeah. might look like a show not for you if yeah. you see a bunch of people with like American flag hats yeah. on. Yeah. Or something.
1: I, I sometimes had a hard time. Yeah. where things were kind of cringy right. with the show. Right. Um, for example, I think it was like season five, they did this like, you know, Kung Fu episode oh. where um, uh. I I almost just threw shit at RTV because I was so upset. Yeah. Um, and then so in season eight, when they did sort of like a, um, you know, homage to Korean, um, you know, blacksmithing, right. I was... Petrified because I was like, how are they going to bastardize my people? Right. Um, but you know what? I was actually really pleasantly surprised that um, it was respectfully done. I didn't feel like there was um, a ton of appropriation or anything like that. Yeah. Um, they actually brought back a Korean American um, smith yeah. and knife maker um, as a part of the show. And um, I think one of the challenges was like replicating one of the knives that he had made or something like that. So awesome. I feel like. Forge and Fire as a show has also grown. Yeah. For um sure. uh, with the times. I mean, not not always, but some of the things. Yeah. They're they're doing better.
0: So the first round is forging the blade. Yep. And then they, after the 90 minutes, Mm -hmm. uh, they present their blade to the judges Mm -hmm. in whatever form it is. Sometimes it's a hunk of slag.
1: Sometimes it's barely a billet. Yeah. Okay. And and sometimes
0: people are just like, it's almost a a complete knife.
1: Yes. Right. (laughs) It's amazing. Which is
0: hilarious. And so the judges will come and they'll evaluate it. And they do a really good job at pointing out the things that they still need to work on, Mm -hmm. the things that are uh, really well done. Yeah. And the the experts there are, are, they
1: have really good expertise. Yes. And, and I love some of the things that they, they call out, you know, like, Oh, he's going to have a tougher time. Um, or I say he a lot because a lot of the contestants are males, um, when I'm referring to the show, but I will start saying they, you know, they're going to have a hard time, um, with this because of how they've constructed this part in the blade. So in round two, they're gonna have to fix that, which is gonna take away from their handle making time. Yeah. Cause the second round is you need a handle for the knife and something that Chris has said about the handle that really resonated with me. um, And I think about this a lot is um, Chris has talked about the handle being the user interface for the blade. You know, it's how the person wielding the knife connects to that knife and so it's really important to have the form and function um really align
0: yeah that was one thing too that was really interesting about watching the entire series mm-hmm. you know like binging on yeah is you start learning over time how people are uh where they fall short and what they can spend most of their time doing what's the most valuable thing for you to spend your most time the mm-hmm. most time doing and it's usually handles yeah like because at, by the third round they're testing it right yeah so the second round is handle construction grinding and sharpening and actually making it a blade. Yeah. Right. And so that's the next ninety minutes they go over to the the pantry yeah. where they can pick their their wood or bone or whatever it is that they're gonna put
1: oh, they for scales like this for the handle. Amazing pantry of like handle materials of like beautiful wood. Some stabilize, some not, like micarta, yeah. um, you know, which is more synthetic, um, usually made out of like linen or paper and and you know epoxy resin.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and so it's just like any knife maker's dream (laughs) to, like, look at that pantry and be like... And and some people are just paralyzed because there's there's so many options and choices that they can make.
0: Choice paralysis. Um, Yes. So then they... Well, for the first round, they eliminate somebody, right? Because uh, it is an elimination challenge. Yes. So there are three people that go into the second round. To get to make the handle. To get to make the handle. And then there's the judging round. Yeah. So then the judges go through a series of tests. And they're very brutal tests on purpose.
1: Yeah, there's um, there's usually, like, you know, different categories of them, right? So there's the strength test. That's right. the mo- more brutal one, right? And then To there's... see
0: if it uh, is quenched properly, hardened properly.
1: Exactly. And then, um, uh, or, you know... Is the blade geometry um, right for being able to withstand you know that or or did they make sure if it's like a type of blade where they're using like you know high carbon steel and a mild steel like you know is the blade edge with the right kind of steel so many different like possibilities tons of variables yeah
0: and there's like uh usually a sharpness challenge after that because the blade is maybe a little bit dull yeah and one thing about they do
1: the strength first right and then they'll do like a sharpness test right so they have
0: like a cascading series of tests that test the durability over time and the quality of a a really good blade is like how does it retain an edge does it hold up to like (laughs) stress yeah you know like uh
1: you've got Nielsen, right like the berserker right i'm doing air quotes as the berserker right he kind of
0: seems grumpy all the time (laughs) maybe a little like nervous like he has this kind of weird nervous energy which is kind of daring
1: over time but fuck he he just goes like Bonkers with the knife, yeah. like you know, just like slamming it down on like ram horns and or like and...
0: stabbing an aluminum panel. Yeah, or
1: something. like it's it's it's, really it's cool. Um, and then and once then one person gets eliminated, yes,
0: and then the final two people mm-hmm. they have a final challenge, and so they get to go home
1: to, to their the home forge. forges
0: and they usually do a sword. Yeah. So, uh, or, or something bigger yeah. that takes like five days or whatever, yeah. depending on what the challenge uh, parameters are. And for me, this was one of the best parts of the show because you get to see people's home forges. Yes. They film at their home forges. You get to see what their setup is like. Yes. And sometimes so cool. there's like, you know, you can see some people have, like, big, full, like, studios. And some people, like, uh,
1: Colin. Colin.
0: In that one episode. Yes. He had, like, nothing.
1: Kabil Flissa. That yeah. was the name of the sword that he had made. Yeah. And this is, it's like a season five episode. Yeah. I think it's, like, a season five, episode two, episode five. Oh. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. I watch this episode all the time because yeah. I think it's hilarious.
2: It's so funny.
1: Um, And he literally has, like tiny-ass coal forge that he cobbled together himself. He did not have a forge long enough to heat-treat the sword, so he dug a ditch... In his yard. ...in his yard (laughs) to use charcoal... Yeah. to like create something long enough to heat the blade to do his like yeah. quench.
0: So this is one of the really cool things about Portion Fire 2 is it's an engineering challenge a lot yes. of the time and it's uh, creative problem solving. Yes. And you see problem solving throughout the competition in different sort of ways and the people who win usually are the best problem solvers.
1: Yeah, And and good um, process oriented yeah. kind of like, because uh, I I'm a process junkie. Right. And I'm like, I'm thinking about like process or constraint optimization, like right. all the time. And so for a process junkie, like knife making, yeah, there are so many ways to optimize process. There's so many variations to process that you can have, depending totally. on the type of knife that you're making even.
0: And it's important to do that early on yeah. because you can see, you know, throughout the show, people who don't invest in the very beginning yeah. in a good process, yeah. then get Fitting in the ass later oh, yeah. for for something that they did in the very beginning. Oh yeah, you know totally. Um, which is which is super fascinating. Yeah. Um, and so yeah,
1: it was this show. It was this show. And I I told Chris one day I was like I want to do that. And yeah. I was like, hey, I, I think um, we need to set up like an anvil and forge in our garage so I can bang on some hot metal.
0: Right. And then I was like, "What?"
1: and and Chris kind of like, you know, I I mean, he was sweet about it, but he, he still crushed and shattered my dreams. <laughs> he was like, babe, I want to support you in this. But what are our neighbors going to think?
0: Yeah. Like we live in a neighborhood very close to our neighbors. Yeah. I was thinking like oh, loud anvil forging noises, you know, we're going to yeah. get.
1: Complete. and so you know of course i was like "I'll grumble 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 walk away and then later that evening chris was like i got your present and i think it was like around valentine's day or something and so yeah. he had got he he bought a, a class at this forge um, in Soto, which is like um, South Seattle. Um, And it's called Lawless Forge. And they offer a bunch of different, like, you know, blacksmithing classes. Intro classes Um, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And one of them was um, making a knife out of a horseshoe and so that was the class that chris has signed me up for um and i went to it and i made my first knife and i got bitten by the bug and i have not looked back since because after that i was like this is what i want to do yeah i i I can't explain why but i think I, i can't explain why at that moment yeah it clicked for me but i think i have more of an understanding of that reason now. Okay. Now that I feel like I've I've been sort of like, you know, studying and doing and learning um, I I understand it better now, you know? Yeah. Cuz steel Okay. when you're forging it, right? Yeah. Um you have to absolutely be present. You're right. working with a forge that's like at 2000 degrees. Right. Right. And so because I have a hard time staying in the present.
2: Yeah. I'm future. Yeah.
1: Mindfulness and, you know, meditation. I'm like, I I never knew how to meditate. Are you kidding me?
2: Yeah.
1: I, you know, it's like, um, something that, I will talk about on the show from time to time is, um, my, uh, you know, healing journey from complex PTSD. Um, and so because of the PTSD, I have like manifestations from like, you know, other types of like mental disorders. Right. Um, like I have tendency like ADHD tendencies. Right. Um, and so it's really hard for me to focus and be mindful, stay in the present. Yeah. yeah. And so working with a forge, is the best forcing function for me to do that. Yeah. And it's teaching me how to be present. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of the first things that I've really kind of like, you know, untangled. That's awesome. Um, Another thing is, you know, it happened when I was grinding the blade. Yeah. Right. So after quenching is when you heat the blade to a certain temperature, you um, either put it into oil or water, right? Right. There's different methods of quenching. Usually, more like Western styles of quenching involve oil, and more Asian or Eastern styles of um, quenching involve water, like Japanese and Korean right. um, styles. And so, um, you why know, do you quench? You quench to give life to the blade, because that's this. what hardens the blade. You cool. know, until you quench that blade, the, the thing that you're calling a blade that you've molded is just a molded piece of hot steel.
0: Right. And so if you tried to use it as a knife or a sword, it would bend yeah. or it would dent and yeah. would it wouldn't be able to hold an edge. Yeah. It would just and so bad.
1: that's why you harden the blade. And that's when the blade comes to life. Yeah. And let me tell you, that is an exhilarating moment. Yeah. Um. But so I think, you know, after you quench the blade, you know, you, you start grinding a little bit and you know, uh, you're, you're, And that grinding of like forming and shaping the blade, it's all about balance and symmetry. Mm. And so balance is a really important and recurring theme in my life. Right. You know, because um, I've lived my life like very binary, you know, hot, cold, um, off on like, you know, black, white. And I think the balance is helping me understand that. Things exist on a spectrum, right? You know, and so um, it's a, it's a good reminder of that. And not only that, the grinding is very is a very meditative process for me. Yeah. So I can finally meditate. Through? Through grinding. Through
0: grinding, through bladesmithing. Yes. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah.
1: And you know, I, talk, I I mentioned a little bit earlier how I have like ADHD tendencies, right? So finishing yeah. a single project that involves multiple steps
2: right.
1: is super challenging for me. But what's also great about this is like, knife making is a big challenge but because there are so many different aspects to knife making there's the blacksmithing you know and like metal working aspect of it right there's the woodworking aspect you know from the handle or whatever kind of handle material that you're using then if you want to like you know um, make like a sheath because making um, what is it pocket knives that fold like folding knives yeah. that's really complicated so that's complicated. not something that you get into right away as a knife maker Right, right. and so you're making usually like full tang knives that don't fold right, right? and so so they're going to need some kind of a sheath
0: some holder so you don't yeah. stab yourself and yeah you put it in your and
1: pocket. so you know that puts you into the territory of possibly like you know leather working and stuff like yeah. that so there are so many different aspects to knife making so well, and it feels
0: like Minecraft in a way. Like yes, you are unlocking new possibilities yes. with, with each thing that you bring into your shop. Yes, you know, like if you bring in a press, you can unlock uh, Damascus. Uh, you know, that you know,
1: and doing work. like layered, you know, trying to do layered steel, yeah, like yeah. cutting and stacking and layering steel so that you can get cool patterns on the steel and stuff. Right. Um. But yeah, no. All and 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 throughout all of that, it affords me the opportunity to like jump around yeah. and let that adhd part of my brain still get its fill right but then i can still challenge myself to finish a whole knife yeah you know, so um, there's a it, it, there's a lot of things that really kind of resonated with me as I got more and more into the various aspects of knife making. Yeah. Um, another thing that I've realized is, you know, steel is a reductive medium. Yeah. Right. There's <laughs> one of my favorite um, quotes that I've learned, you know, or sayings in the knife making community that I've, I've learned um, from from a buddy of mine who's been teaching me knife making. Um, Sasha, he, he told me. Knife makers don't make mistakes, just smaller knives.
2: (laughs) Right.
0: You can't necessarily <laughs> always add steel back yes, after grinding it. Yes. It's kind of
1: gone. I mean, you can you can weld stuff back, and sure, sure. anything is possible. But right. I just I love that saying because it just it also shows you like you know how stubborn makers can be too. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like yeah. the resilience of makers, um. But also the growing aspect of that. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I, like learning thinking about steel as a reductive medium, and also thinking about. Less life as a reductive medium. Ooh. I'm going to wax philosophical now. Wow. You
2: know? um, it's true.
0: We're all constantly <laughs> reducing our lifespan every moment of every day. We're all slowly dying.
1: <laughs> I mean, sure. Is is it a bit macabre to think about? Maybe. It's just realistic. It is. And and I'm a pragmatist at heart. Totally. No matter how optimistic totally. I can be or idealistic I can be. Totally. Um, I'm still pragmatic.
0: Knife making is life.
1: Yeah. For me it is because i love knives Mm. like i really really love knives yeah
0: i do too like it it's funny because like so we're both really into cooking yeah and so we appreciate a good quality kitchen knife um but like for me personally i've always been into pocket knives i've always carried a pocket knife with me you know like
1: changing carrying a pocket knife has changed my life yeah i love my EDC. EDC stands for everyday carry. Right. Um, we're gonna be talking about a lot, a lot of knife terms. So, um, <laughs> this I is feel not gonna like be like
0: a knife making podcast. I know. Be a lot I of know.
1: But <laughs> I'm super into it, yeah. and I feel like I'm just gonna be referring to it a lot. So okay. I may as well pull out some of the terms. So the EDC. Yeah. Everyday carry. Yeah. Um, having an EDC mm-hmm. has changed my life.
0: What do you use it for?
1: Opening packages most of the time. <laughs>
0: during the pandemic uh, there's been a lot of online shopping happening <laughs>
1: you know instagram algorithm has my number <laughs> it's
0: like yeah a lot of uh, instagram purchases yeah. um,
1: no but like also just um just even like um cutting stuff down you know like yeah it, there's, Are, a, there's, gar- there's stuff in the garden no, there's, there's
0: always an opportunity to use yeah. it there's always like a string loose somewhere like i was just you know cutting like spencer our, our youngest he his pants he had like some ripped jeans that are stylistically ripped on the on the knees, and you had some uh, threads that yeah. were kind of loose this morning. Yeah. So I...
1: Oh, those, those rips are from where? Because they were Avery's jeans.
0: No, totally, but they're stylish
2: now. <laughs> <Yeah. I'm>
1: just... <laughs> it was meant to be that. <laughs>
0: Uh, and so, you know, I just was able to take out my pocket knife and just like, uh, you know,
1: get rid of some, of the, rid of, some like of the the threads, threads so he wouldn't yeah.
0: pick at it yeah. you know, during the day yeah. and that kind of thing. So. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, I, I love having a knife. And, um, you know, I have quite a few now in my collection. Yeah. Um, and I, my, my goal is to, um, you know, as a part of my learning journey on this, like, you know, aspirational kind of like knife maker journey, um, I had this idea of um, getting a collection of knives from knife makers that I really, really admire. Because, yeah. you know, I, I have a dedicated like Instagram account now for like knife making and I've been engaging um, knife makers in the community and... The community is amazing.
0: Yeah, that's been a really fun discovery, too. Yes. Like, we are familiar with communities in general. We've been in a number of them, yeah. right? Mostly in games industry, um, comics, cartoons. Yeah. But we actually kind of, like, bridge a lot and, and have bridged, a few communities during like our early podcasting days that is, yeah. it's kind of continued cooking, yeah. cooking in
1: video games, video something. games, yeah. comics,
0: that kind of thing. But and now it's like community. knife
1: making. But Okay. Can I, I just want to spend a, li- a little bit of time talking about the knife making community and yeah. how gracious and um, welcoming, encouraging and supportive. Everyone has been, I don't think I've come across like anyone who's been an asshole yet, Yeah, which is, I mean, and, and, and...
0: Well, you also haven't reached out to anybody who might potentially... <laughs> that's true.
1: That's true. Because I'm a good... Like, one thing that I'm really, really good at is assessing um, character. Yeah. And um, I am very selective in terms of who I do engage. So that right. is absolutely fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, like, for example, our friend Ashe. Um, We we first saw him in Fortune Fire. He's a Fortune Fire champion um, from season five, and I remember watching that episode with Chris one night, and we were both talking about how he looked like a Pokemon trainer. Yeah,
0: it's like this young kid. He was
1: only nineteen at the time.
0: Yeah, and he's like got some burly guys around him, and then this young kid who's just like, "No, I got this."
1: Yeah. He was 19 and, um, you know, he, he he was, they were doing canister Damascus, right? right? Which is like, you take a, um, hollow, um, uh, square tube. Right. You fill it with different kinds of steel and also kind of fill it out with powdered steel. You heat the whole thing and then you weld it into a billet.
0: Right. So you make a billet that's like a compound one that yes. then gets a pattern revealed later after you uh, forge it out. Yeah. And then etch it with, with some acid. With
1: ferricum ferric, chloride. Yeah. yeah. So
0: you can have really cool patterns. Patterns. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so this this case He's 19 and he wins this episode. And I was just like, so inspired, Yeah, you know, by his resilience.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Because one of the first blade that he had made at home, like broke or something. And he had to reforge another blade. And yeah. this was a really complicated knife. It was like the Sengezi or something. And it had it was, like a
0: bend in the yeah, middle. And it
1: was, like, you had to like split it off. They do and, a
0: lot of very fascinating African swords that yes. you might not be familiar with yes. that are just like, well, I've never. Never yeah,
1: before, or like but... um stuff from like india yeah like, or, or malaysia you know but like yeah back a lot of like South thousands Pacific. of years ago yeah yeah, yeah. um and so he, i i was like i'm gonna find him on instagram yeah and so i did and then i followed him <laughs> yeah. and chris started following him too and i was just like oh my god he's so cute um and then you know what a day or two later like he followed me back yeah and i was just like what i, I don't know why i was so surprised it, I don't know. It was just a thing. Sure. Um
0: But th- this is like the thing, like he's famous to you.
1: Yes. Right. And he's like... he's a celebrity in, in my own little universe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, me? Little me? <laughs> yeah. Um, But we've become friends.
2: Yeah.
1: You know? And so Chris and I are like close to now, Eshe and his partner. Yeah. And we've become this little community.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's fun too to like follow Blade Makers on Instagram, right, for one thing, because they do a lot of sharing of their process. And we, being people who are really in the process, we like watching process
1: i learn so much yeah. just from watching instagram stories of knife makers yeah
0: and a lot of them like yeah. i think ashay's only on instagram and that's mm-hmm. where he like sells his stuff yeah right yeah um
1: we own like two of his knives yeah very proudly Totally. um awesome. and and so you know he's he's one um paul my hammer guy
0: you have a hammer guy
1: i have a hammer guy
0: you have a guy who makes you custom
2: hammers
1: yes so Eshe mm-hmm. is the one that introduced me to Paul, right. my hammer guy. And, um, you know, I reached out to him for a hammer and he has been so kind to me at first. I was, like, a little suspicious, and I was right. like, why is he so nice?
0: But he's, like, an older guy, too, yeah. right? Like yeah. Like, he's...
1: He's probably, like, I don't know, in his 50s sure. or something. Older
0: than us. That's not, like, old. Yeah. When I say older, I mean older than us.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, and and so... But he's been a blacksmith for 41 years, right? That's incredible. And, and for him, it's all about community. Yeah. And so he saw me... Someone new to this community who is embarking on her journey. Um, and he just wanted to help me out. How cool is that? Yeah. And so, you know, I got my first rounding hammer from him. Mm-hmm. Um, I named it Mew Mew. <laughs> Um uh And... I reached out to him again because I was like, okay, Paul, it's time for me to have a ball peen hammer too now. Yeah. And I also inquired about getting Avery, our older son, um, his own rounding hammer. So I was yeah. like, do you do like, you know, smaller versions of rounding hammers? I know I was, I, the one that I have, a two pounder is pretty small. Yeah. Um, because most people probably have like three pounders. Sure.
0: Um, but it's like picking a bowling ball at the bowling
1: yes, alley. Yes. That's right? exactly what it is. You
0: don't want something too heavy. Because yes. it's going to, you're going to get fatigued.
1: Yeah. Because... When when you're shaping steel, think about it as molding clay. You just can't use your freaking hands because it's too hot. And yeah. so you have to use tools to move it around like clay. Right. And so when he learned that this rounding hammer was going to be for Avery, he gave it to us. No charge. Yeah.
0: Like as, as a, a gift. gift. It was very thoughtful.
1: Yeah. And Great so time. I reached out to him again, you know, and I was like, hey, Paul, I need a cross pain hammer now.
0: Yeah. well, now you're <laughs> a loyal customer. For
1: exactly. You know, and I remember I, I was like, hey, I'm going to do a social media post and, and just like really thank you for this. And I remember him saying, he's like, thank you. He's like, I hope that gets me sales. Like, that's going <laughs> to get me a lot of sales, you yeah. know? And so again, it's all about that community, right?
0: Well, and also like, I feel like One thing I really appreciate about you and I appreciate about us as a a family unit Mm -hmm. is that we are very open with our emotions and we uh, relish the opportunity to express gratitude to people and to show love and to openly tell our friends that we love them and to like really um, be authentic. And um, I think like, People like Paul. Yeah, like you're right. Like it was a little strange at first for somebody to be so gracious.
1: But I'm sure that people feel that way about meeting me. No, totally. Like,
0: (laughs) like we'll have people over for dinner and stuff like that, and they'll feel bad that you know they're like, "What can we bring? Yeah, we're like nothing. Just yourself. Yeah, we want to feed you. Yeah, like we we want to like you know do this. We
1: love hosting. Yeah. You know, and and fostering engagement.
0: It's not a a, a tit for tat. It's not a transactional thing. No, no. It's
1: like relationship equity. Yeah, for sure. We'll talk about that more later too, what I mean by relationship equity.
0: Yeah. You know what's really great? I think like one thing that I have noticed being a part of different communities throughout my life and being involved in constructing communities in my own like profession and stuff like as a user experience designer it's something that is really close to my my work output is like how do you build strong communities how do you build pro-social environments for people that are inclusive but also not that like, really sort of, like, stereotypical, um, you know, performative diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. uh, That's whatever. more
1: transactional than anything.
0: Yeah. So how do you remove barriers? How do you prove the value of being inclusive, right? Yeah. And not have gatekeepers. Yeah. And I think that the knife-making community has shown that they are... They value that inclusiveness, and they love the new blood, basically. Yes. And they want the thing that you can contribute uniquely to be added to the community and make it richer and and more
1: robust yes and and that like it has been amazing i've been fangirling like left and right because you know you start talking to some of the heavyweights in the you know like celebrities in my mind in the freaking industry and I, I respond like you know to their cool stories and stuff, and then they respond back. It's amazing. It is, and my theory—I have a theory on this. Yeah. The closer you get to creators, uh-huh. the more authentic people are.
0: Because. The of closer the you
1: get to creation. Yeah, yeah. Instead of producing, right, right, and refining. Work yeah, Because there are producers and there are creators. Right. And I feel like most of my life I have spent as a producer. Sure. Right. Because I don't actually, I've never actually built things. You know, I, I wasn't like a coder. You yeah. know, I wasn't a software developer, so I didn't code.
2: Right.
1: I just had the ideas on here's what we can build. Here's how we can bring yeah. it all together. But now I'm getting to actually create my yeah. own output.
0: You're, in a way, more connected to your output. More yes. connected to how that output is going to be used by another human. Yes. Right? Because in the corporate world, it was very abstract. You're exactly. Like, you're, you're coming up with processes and stuff, and yeah, it directly impacts the people that are engaging with those processes, but you weren't always connected to the customer or the end point, right? But with something like uh, a... This is a direct connection. I'm making a knife for your purpose that you requested and then here is your knife. Use it. That kind of thing.
1: And so I think the closer you get to a community that is full of creators, the more authentic that community feels. Yeah. I think I agree.
0: I I buy buy that for sure.
1: And so the knife making community has been nothing but welcoming and kind. Um, just so willing to offer time and knowledge, you know, so many times, like I'll have knife makers, um, tell me like, Oh, you know, I'm telling you this because I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I did. And I'm like, I love yeah. learning from other people's mistakes. Great. Then I don't have to learn the hard way. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm more than willing to take knowledge. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just watching an instructional video the other day by one of them. Um, I think he's one of the best teachers in the knife making industry. His name's Nick Rossi. And I purchased a chef's knife, like, you know, full tank chef's knife, um, instructional video from him. And I, I watched it and he talks about Every step in the process and his intention behind the choice in that process. Right. Which for me was like, oh, my, I was just like, like stuck on every word, like absorbing it like a sponge.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and just learning someone else's tried and true process and then trying to figure out, like, okay, what are the steps that I can adopt in my own personal process. Right. Because how you learn something is, you know, you first start by mimicking and replicating what's out there. Yep. So that's the phase of learning that I'm in right now. Yep. And through that journey, I hope I can get to like, okay, what can I create for myself? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then the third step is yeah. teaching.
2: And exactly. then passing that on. Right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. And so um, my idea is I want to do a Pokedex of knives, mm. right? And so the collection, Poke decks. yes, Poking no, with <laughs> <decks>. <laughs> uh, we love bad puns too, by the way. Um, so I am, you know, coll- we have a collection of knives from knife makers that we admire, right? right. And so my goal is to replicate knives like one knife from every knife maker that i i'm really inspired by and through that replication process learn more about it and then um you know the earlier knives i make i'm gonna gift it to some special friends you know and and get some feedback right you know so that i can improve the quality right. of my output because
0: you're not at this point, ready to like open up an Etsy shop.
1: And I don't want to open things. up an Etsy shop, actually. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's interesting. So, like, what is your? I mean, you talked a little bit about it being a journey. Like, what yeah. is your goal
1: then? For me, um, my goal is to be able to create and express my myself through knives. Yeah. Um, I it's okay. So let me start off by saying um, I do feel guilt um, of like certain privileges that we have sure. where I am afforded the opportunity. I spent a lot of time working for corporations. Um, so I've nearly killed myself doing that, but right. now I have, I, I have afforded myself this opportunity to not have to bring in an income.
0: Yeah. And you were, you were also giving yourself away. Yeah. And now you have a chance to do something for yourself.
1: Yes. And so it's a very different kind of journey for me. Um, And it is not about is this a new way for me to make money?
0: Yeah. And so that's something interesting too. When people find out about, you know, you doing blades and stuff like online, they'll yeah. be like, oh, I can't wait to buy something from yeah. you. Because like, and that's really sweet. That's really kind. That's a really good gesture. But Or like, thing, tell me when you open up your store. Yeah, exactly. One thing that I would really like to unpack with people and, and find a good way to message is like, you shouldn't, immediately feel like you need to monetize your hobby, right? Like, that's something that is really tragic that has happened. It's
1: ingrained into us because of the capitalistic system we live in. Yeah,
0: it's like your hobby should exist to enrich you.
1: Yeah, but also not everybody has the... Privilege totally and 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 and, and can do this. No,
0: we are in a world where you are definitely like incentivized and like and and it's almost necessary for a lot of people to hustle. Yeah. Right. And to make sure that everything that you do all the time you're spending. Yeah. Time is money. Hustling
1: time is money. Right. And so I spent so much of my life thinking that way. Time is money. Time is money. Um, I also, you know, I'm, I'm Korean. I I grew up here since I was almost six years old, um, lived in New York city and East coast for most of my early childhood, moved out to Seattle when I was like 22. So I've been here for almost 20 years now. And I, you know, I grew up performing whiteness. Yeah. I grew up performing maleness. Right. Because, you know, I worked in um, industries that were heavily dominated by men. Right. You know, tech. And then eventually I got into like, you know, delivery and fulfillment auto, <laughs> which is all men. Um, and so for me, I have been performing my whole life. And so now through knife making, I feel like. This is no longer me performing, you know, this is me making choices that I want to make and doing something that I feel very passionate about and connecting to a community um, that I feel has been so inclusive, you know, because diversity shows up. That's what you are handed, right? Mm -hmm. But inclusion is how you retain people in that community or else people will leave.
0: Right, right. It's not enough like... For uh, you know, little girls to learn STEM jobs and then get thrown to the lions uh, when they finally go into the workforce. You know, it's like you need to be supportive of yeah. these people that you want to include in. And
2: uh, how do diverse... they need
1: to be supported? Right. You know, and, and it's like building personas in product management or right. like, you know, user experience development. Right? right. Where you're thinking about the personas of people that are going to be like, you know, using um, the variety of products that you're developing. Right. Yeah.
0: That's one, one thing that we're probably going to touch on a lot in the podcast because it's just how we think is everything is systemic. Right. Mm-hmm. Everything comes from a root somewhere. And you like... I I personally don't believe there's a lot of free will in life Mm -hmm. uh, because we all exist in systems together. Mm -hmm. Right. And these systems were not built by us. We Mm -hmm. just live in them.
1: We have to exist in them.
0: Right. And so you can do whatever you want as an individual. But unless you are actively working to address the systems that you live in, you're not going to really enact any systemic change. Yeah. Right. So it's like you could work for Amazon, for example, and be like, I'm a good person. I'm a I'm a
1: I'm going to change things from the belly of the beast. Right.
0: Exactly. But it'll never work.
1: No, because I got chewed up and spit out.
0: Right. And so (laughs) like you, you could also know that. And yeah. appreciate it and understand it and yeah. still work in the belly of the beast yeah. and know that you're. Not I
1: couldn't anymore, it. right? Because I have feelings. I have big feelings about Amazon as an entity. Totally, you know, and it's good and bad, right? Right? I'm not all like anti Amazon, sure, because I do believe there are certain good things that are happening,
0: sure.
1: But I have big feelings about it.
0: No, totally. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, for people who want to follow you on your knife making journey, since you're not going to open up an Etsy shop or whatever, yeah. uh, what, how, where can they find you?
1: So um, my brilliant nine year old helped me come up with this name. Okay. Um, I you know I've been listening to a lot of Black Pink.
0: Black Pink, the yeah. K-pop band.
1: Yes. Oh God, I love them so
2: much. They're very good.
1: They're so good. And so you know I, I've been listening to a lot of Black Pink. Um, if you have seen photos of me, I have pink hair. Mm-hmm. Like bright neon pink hair. It's
2: natural Just yeah. screw up that yeah. way.
1: Um, yeah, you know, and I have real lashes. No. <laughs> I have, like, you know, pink highlights in my lashes. I have a bright pink, like, phone case. So, pink is everything. Yeah. Um, you know, not that, like, pale, girly pink, though. Sure. But anyway, so, Avery was just like, haha, you're a pink blacksmith that likes to listen to uh, Black Pink. Yeah. So off, you know, riffing off of that, um, you can find me on Instagram at pink bladesmith.
0: Pink Bladesmith. Yes. Okay. And on TikTok too.
1: Um, On TikTok, I haven't. um, I have. I have an account, but it's not active yet. Okay. Because I have. I have been thinking about more reels and um, video content.
2: Right.
1: Um, I just haven't had a chance to like edit and like put videos together. So it's not something that I'm actively doing right now. Great. Yeah. Cool.
0: And you post a lot of really great process stuff and. (laughs) Videos just, from your shop and
1: I, you know, I'm I'm really trying to turn the shop into my space. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know, I, just the other day, I got these like pink twinkle lights. Yeah, yeah. and then I'm like hanging up everywhere.
0: No, I love it too because like it's this like feminine energy that um, the knife making community doesn't have a lot of, and I feel like like I was I was suggesting uh for like a, a forge or like a company idea that you do uh, knives for her. <laughs> because
1: you know. i was talking about how you know i want to make um knives specifically for women i will not sell them to anyone else but women right right and the purpose of women
0: the- are non-binary people
1: oh that's okay true
0: yes how do you just
1: i won't sell to men okay yeah i'm male won't, identifying male i won't sell to um people that identify as men okay the, and, and the reason for this it's men are trash Sure, <laughs> that, that's, that's sort of you know the, the, the umbrella <laughs> statement. Sure. Um, but men as a collective, um, I love men as individuals. Yeah, yeah. I'm married to a man. My life partner is a man. Sure. Um, even if I am queer, you know my my partner, my life partner is a man.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but I. With all the stuff that's going on, um, you know, I think there are like eight states now. We're up to eight states where, you know, um, abortion is becoming criminalized. Sure. Um, and or in the process of, you know, Texas was the first to go, Florida's talking about it, and there are other states that are following.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I hate that feeling of helplessness. Yeah. And so I want to do something about it, but I can't change the system. Right. right? I'm only one person. Right. But what I'm going to do is arm every single fucking non-male person <laughs> in my community with a goddamn knife. Yeah. And be like, come at us, bro.
0: it's <laughs> um, a little antagonistic, but... the, the-
1: That'd but it's 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 sort of a symbol. Yeah. You know, it's a principle that I want to stand behind. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like that, like, you know, don't fuck with us. Yeah. Like we are armed and we can also penetrate right. with knives.
2: With
0: knives.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, something else too that I was thinking about is um, untapped market mm, for a knife making yeah. community, right? People who are practicing like pagans and Wiccans, mm. right? have altars right and altar daggers that's a thing it's a thing and i want to make like really ornate and beautiful altar daggers yeah um because chris has this new hobby of buying parcels of gems from (laughs) foreclosed estates on government auctions (laughs) anyway, long, long story there, but that's how I ended up with like, you know, loose gemstones and stuff. And so I want to like inset them into like dagger hilts and handles and stuff like that.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah. altar daggers it's is cool. another idea.
0: It's pretty good. Yeah. No, I got really into government auctions <laughs> a few months ago. Um, this we a transition into what I've been up to. Yes. Um, so government auctions are great. No. So I was like, I was looking for land, right. Because like, <laughs> So with the apocalypse happening all around us, I'm like, hey, what's our retirement plan, right? We're going to go, we're going to like yeet ourselves out of civilization <laughs> and and dream about buying uh, a farm on an island somewhere and all of our friends coming living with us. So as part of that fantasy, I was like, okay, I know that uh, there are government auctions for, for land and stuff. And so I subscribed to this like land watch um, mailing list. And uh, I also really like as a person who has been a web designer and a UX designer and has just been part of the internet and construction of the internet for a while I love charming, terrible
2: newsletters.
0: and websites right no i love
1: no it's quaint it's very quaint
0: it's super quaint it's It's just like been around for a long time you know and it's wait
1: wait is, is this what's vintage for websites vintage internet yes yeah
0: no totally <laughs> um and so like you see the markers of it you know like lots of exclamation points and different <laughs> colors of headline text and anyway so landwatch is really cool but also um mm. as part of the government auction stuff they have just Things from government auctions. So you would have like estate st- sales and stuff, right? They do that online. And the website is sufficiently bad enough that I was like, I think I could have a chance. You know, like, I think I could, uh, I could, I could get in and like snipe auctions for cool stuff. Um, and it's, it's usually like somebody has passed away and it's their collection of kind of tacky basketball memorabilia, uh, you know, or like, um, old lady jewelry
1: or, but every once in a while,
0: every once in a while, there's like, here's a really cool sapphire ring or a bunch of loose rubies or like
1: a dolly print.
0: Yeah. Like the, you know, like, there are only really four artists that anybody knows. It's Dolly, uh it's uh Monet, mm-hmm. and Picasso, mm-hmm. and Renoir. Go- oh, okay. So, like, those are the top... You ask anybody, yeah. like, normal people.
1: That's true. Renmore is, like, you know, that's, a little bit... That's a little bit. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that and, like, Dolly. Yeah. Know, Dolly's close, but... um Yeah, so, Dolly, like... Prints are are and like sculptures and stuff are really prevalent on there too. And so I was able to pick up some like parcels of gems and rings and we've got like two dolly prints and it was like
1: maybe like fifteen hundred bucks. I have a I have a pair of amethyst earrings for like forty bucks. It was amazing. Um two point three carat topaz yeah. ring it was sixty-one dollars. This is amazing. <laughs> I was
0: just so, like, this is so
1: fun. Yeah, so I have, I have I have this like really beautiful topaz, like blue topaz, yeah. that I can like inset into a dagger. Yeah. I'm so excited. I
0: still haven't bought any land, but <laughs> uh, the gemstones are cool. So, um, yeah, so what has uh, Chris been up to? So I've been after the Kickstarter. Uh, I also was working at Amazon for a little while, um, and then went to go work at PopCap. Uh, for EA and so I worked on Bejeweled Blitz and uh, Plants vs. Zombies Heroes for a little while um, got really into you know making games um, that's, that's my passion uh, left that and went back to Amazon <laughs> for Twitch Twitch Prime th- was Twitch fun Prime. It was a good job. I yeah. uh, Had a very short stint uh, at Amazon Game Studios working on their downloader, uh, and then went freelance. So I've been doing freelance even before the pandemic. Yeah, um, I was working from home on some small projects. I did yeah. like um, some stuff for Astroneer for System Era. Uh, some friends from PopCap worked there. I built the the store uh, for them, and um, just was like a stay at home dad for a while, yeah. which was really which was really pleasant. Um, it also allowed me more time to work on art stuff. So I started making zines Mm -hmm. pretty regularly.
1: You have um, seriously upped the number of days that you do your comics.
0: Yeah. Well, I've been doing them every day. This year. This year. Yeah. Yeah. That was a goal of mine. So I've been doing journal comics off and on since like 2015.
1: 2012 eight, 2012, eight years. Yeah. When Avery was born. When Avery
0: was born. So um, I use a journal called a Hobonichi Techo.
1: Yeah. Oh, nine years.
0: Which is a journal that's made by Shigesato Itoi, who is the designer or the creator of the video game Earthbound, the mother series. Um, and he has this company called Hobonichi, which is just like a life planning kind of like a, a very quaint Japanese uh, company. It's
1: like a Japanese style of scrapbooking almost. Yeah, No, totally. You know? and, and, exactly right. and really kind of keeping track of the passage of your time.
0: Yeah. Um, Which is... It's uh, a really good
1: exercise in mindfulness.
0: It's a wonderful mindfulness exercise. I love it. Uh, I really appreciate its role in my life. Um, And so I will do, you know, a daily comic about things that happen during the day all of my journal comics are real unless i uh give a disclaimer that they. Didn't this did not
2: happen, happen. <laughs> this happened
0: one or two times where yeah. i just kind of had an interesting thought and interesting interaction and wanted yeah. to like do it in comic format um but i've been doing that a lot i've been doing uh, a lot of zines about um you know cooking and recipes you know like i said we do a lot of cooking raising
1: chickens raising
0: chickens um and uh i've been working with uh a press here in seattle called paper press punch and they do a zine of the month club where you do a one page folded zine uh on their uh, risograph printers and uh, risograph is this really fun technique that's sort of like photocopying but with different colors and stuff and uh, the print club is really cool because it has you know 15 to 20 people they submit their own zines about whatever and then you get everybody's zines back as well as a big stack of your own
1: It's so neat.
0: It's really, really fun. And this month,
1: Avery also participated. That's
0: right. That was really fun. Yeah. Uh, And anybody can, if you're not in Seattle, you can look them up and you can still participate. Um, It's really, really neat. But what I do with all my extra zines is I cut them and fold them and I give them away to people. And I put them in little free libraries around our neighborhood because we have those everywhere.
1: Yeah. And we are going to make our own little free library. That's right specific for zines.
0: Yes, it'll be a zine-specific Little Free Library. Mm-hmm. I made a zine about making zines, and so we're going to put that in the zine. Line. It's very meta.
1: Yeah, but I, I, people love that one because then they're like, oh, I can create my own zines, and, and that's really sort of the idea behind it.
0: Yeah, zines in general are a really fun community as well. Yes. Where it's like being able to just have this, like. Being an artist and a creator in my life, I have many people come to me and ask for advice or mentorship and how to get into it, how to get into comics or, or video games or whatever, how to learn to draw. How or, did you
2: start? How did you start?
0: Yeah. And zines for me are a really good way to teach this lesson of not being precious with your work, mm-hmm. of being free with your creation and just shipping stuff constantly. Yeah.
1: Less focus on the output and more on the progress and the, the process and the growth yeah. and the journey.
0: And there's something that is really welcoming about something that isn't necessarily, like, sloppy, but something that isn't so perfect that it looks like it's inaccessible to people.
1: Yes. I love that about zines because I, even I, have made a zine.
0: Totally. And people are always like, oh, I can't draw. I'm bad at art. That's me. You know? But, like, nobody is bad at art. Everybody can draw because art and drawing and creativity is not something that is innately bestowed upon you when you are born mm-hmm. like i do not believe that talent actually exists in the way that people uh, think,
1: think it, it does yeah
0: i think talent is a mix of enthusiasm and effort yeah and time and resources and like it it's just takes ba- work
1: i think it's and i think i think you kind of hit that on the head it's a balance of like willingness and capability yes right and how willing are you To continue growing your capability.
0: Right. And it's, yes. And that is very key too. It's like not just putting in the time. Yeah. It's like this, uh, this, Motto that I have stuck in my head. And everybody says, Practice makes perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of people are like, Well, I put in a lot of time mm-hmm. learning to draw and I'm still as terrible as I was three years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not practice that makes perfect. Mm-hmm. It's perfect practice that makes perfect. Mm-hmm. You have to be intentional with your practice. You have to have the willingness to look at how you can grow there, and put in the effort behind and the it. Yeah. Yes yeah so that means being very introspective that means being critical about yourself being self-aware
1: self-awareness is a big thing i think and if you can if you do not have the ability to objectively look at your work yeah
2: you're not
0: gonna grow yeah And,
1: Yeah. and, and and you can't take criticism not criticism but like critical feedback yes Right? Yes. Specific and actionable critical feedback of how you can improve.
0: Yeah. And that's something that I see is something that um, artists early on in their journey struggle with a lot, where they're like, well, maybe you're the kind of person who was the only person in your class or your family who could draw, and so you just got praise. Mm -hmm. And so you linked drawing with a feeling of getting validation. Right. But that did not challenge you to the point where you can stretch and grow and come up with your own way to validate yourself. Yeah. And so maybe you don't push yourself as far as you need to.
1: If people told you you were great all the time, why would you feel the need to push yourself?
0: Yeah. You wouldn't need to try. You
1: know, And, and that that has been like the story of my life when it comes to like, I was told all the time at a young age, oh, you're so smart. You yeah. can figure it all out. Oh, you're so smart. Yeah, totally. And I'm like... OK, I, I go into like, you know, real panic attacks when I can't figure shit out right, because right. I've been told that that is what I am able to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're all we're all like kids that were raised as like gifted kids or whatever. And then like sort of left to our own devices to figure out how how to deal with that. Yeah. <laughs> how to Actually, like challenge yeah. ourselves. And- yeah. Yeah. And work within it. But so zines have been really fun and fulfilling. The journal comic has been fun and fulfilling. Um, and you could go. Uh, so I've also been selling prints and enamel pens and stuff on my website, uh, com, And you can download uh, archives of, of that, of my journal comics there if you're interested. Um, or just follow on Instagram at Chris Furness. And I post them there every day. Uh, but I've been doing that. And uh, just launched a game, just finished this project called Nova Island, uh, which is really cool. It's a, it's a very interesting, innovative um, new mobile game out there. Uh, it's, it's fully released. You can find it on iOS or Android. Um, and I art directed and did a bunch of uh, UX and UI and game design work for that. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh- um, a lot of the IP development. Yeah. Right. We're, it's a really well, cool IP. I think that's the thing. It's like I think Nova Island is a good game. Yeah. I think it's a great IP. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, that was something that was really that felt really right. You know, mm-hmm. it was like very fulfilling.
2: Yeah.
0: Um and it's something that um I definitely want to continue on in the future. Um so I think we should come up with a way to wrap up the show. Okay. Every every episode
1: i think that's a good idea
0: yeah um one thing that we used to do on the weekly geek is we would talk about what we were playing that mm-hmm. week right mm-hmm. um i think we could feel it out mm-hmm. right we could talk open-endedly but yeah. uh i was thinking about a question that we could ask each other and we can ask our guests mm-hmm. is um what are you looking forward to what next week forward to like next specifically week? next week or Ooh. something bigger or whatever yeah um but like What what is like stuck in your head as something that you are anticipating that Mm -hmm. you're really excited about Mm -hmm. happening in the future? Now that the pandemic you know, we can make like plans a little bit more kind of. Yeah. A little bit.
1: I mean, this for me, like so next week I plan on finishing my first full knife. Oh really? Yeah. So confession, since yes. I have started and, um, you know, we've been building out the shop, right? I mean, I've got Dottie. She's a, this amazing anvil, 200-pound anvil made in 1942. And it's just this no-ring rebounding joy for that hammer. <laughs> it's a I love, that. I, I love that amber so much. And then, you know, I have an amazing hammer. I've got Beatrix, my rare, variable speed grinder. Uh, she like, names
0: all of her tools.
1: I do. It's important. Yeah. Um, and my forge calcifer, right? right? And so I have all of this, but I have not yet made a full knife. Because, you know, I talked earlier about the challenges of me, like, you know, doing a multi-step process into yeah. making the whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, and so next week, I'm going to finish it. Nice. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I said it. And so now i gotta do it yeah
2: yeah it's fantastic
1: yeah and so it's a camp knife for avery mm-hmm. um and so i'm it's it's a simple basic camp knife um the colors on the handle are stabilized wood so it's like you know it's got dyed colors mm-hmm. um like swirly blue and it's got some pink in there um and it's i'm so excited that's awesome yeah
0: that's great um what am i looking forward to next week uh, I am looking forward to getting a new tattoo. Ah! So I reached out to uh, an artist here in West Seattle about doing a David Bowie portrait uh, <laughs> last month because he had, uh, I, I was interested in getting my first new tattoo since the pandemic. You know, it was
1: even before. I don't, when was the last time you got tattooed?
0: Oh, it was at least three or so years yeah. ago. It was the um, yeah. Breath of the Wild tattoo yeah. on my hand. Right when Breath of the Wild was released. Yeah. So that was 2017. Um and so, yeah, three or four years. Um, so I was looking for local artists because we live in West Seattle, which is kind of like blocked off from the world right now because the bridge is down.
1: I call it urban island life.
0: It is. Uh, and so I'm like, I want to find somebody local. And uh, this guy did a really great David Bowie tattoo for somebody. And I'm like, a Bowie tattoo, perfect, love it. David yeah. Bowie is very important to me in my life. And I was like, what era of Bowie should I do? And I got a Jareth the Goblin King from Laverick's Oh, tattoo. so good. It's beautiful. He's an amazing artist. His name is Daniel Sass. He um, did
1: such a good job. I am also planning on getting a tattoo from him.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he was talking to me about they were opening up a new shop nearby. Um, and we were talking about branding and stuff like that. And so um, I'm doing their website in exchange for tattoos. Um so their website is going to be uh, westseattletattoo.com. They're going to be an institution here in West Seattle.
1: I'm so excited. We need we need one. Yeah. We need a tattoo institution here.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I'm going to get a, a tattoo and trade for him. But also I contacted another artist from their former studio. Um, and I'm going to get a Keith Haring tattoo.
1: You have been wanting this for ages yeah
0: keith herring the artist is also very important to me uh throughout my life and
1: to our family and to our family yeah you
0: know he has this um philosophy that art is for everybody and that's my philosophy yeah
1: and and that's also like like chris carries around chalk with him and so he'll do like chalk drawings on like you know concrete walls and stuff in random places yeah
0: or like the zine thing too <laughs> yeah. the zine thing is very much like a keith herring kind of philosophy where yeah. i just put them places and people find them yep. and it makes their day yeah you know you know, like we get contacted by people that's the thing time. how
1: many people have found your zines like around the community and how many like you know messages on instagram have you gotten saying like oh hey i found your zine today this is great yeah i mean
0: it's at least
2: five
1: because think about like the um think about the actual friction points right yeah, and how yeah. many people would do that so the totally. number of people that have found it yeah is definitely more. Yeah,
0: so I want to uh, work with this artist to do a custom like sleeve, like my whole arm with Keith Haring
1: Ugh, stuff. I'm kind of envious. Yeah, it's going to be want a that. fun. That's a great idea. Yeah.
0: That's what I'm looking forward to. Nice. So yeah, uh the, we'll we'll wrap up the podcast. Um we're hoping we're not hoping we are going to do this every week.
2: Yes. And
0: we're going to have rotating guests. We don't yes. know what we're going to have next week, but we have a bunch of people who are interested. Mm-hmm. Um and
1: we're also planning mm-hmm. a reunion episode.
0: Ah, yes. Good looking out. So we have contacted the former Weekly Geek co-hosts.
1: Mm-hmm. And- Ross, mm-hmm. Ryan, and Case. Right. They're all down Yeah. to do a reunion podcast for so the Weekly Geek. Or maybe, maybe a series of episodes. I mean, we don't know what it's going to be yet. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah,
0: for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll just, uh, the, that, that'll be a lot of fun. I think it'll be good to reconnect with them and uh, for people to hear about what they're what they're up to.
1: Yeah, kind of like you know what we did this episode, Mm -hmm. um, talking about what we've been up to in the last decade or so. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but uh, it it would be really great to just you know catch up with everyone. Mm -hmm. For sure. And We had a chance to see Ryan the other day, um, meet his family.
0: Yeah, we've all Um, had like kids. I know. (laughs) And like I know Ross has a kid.
1: Yeah, Ross has stepkids. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So, if you want to keep in touch with the show, uh, you know, stay tuned to this feed, share it with your friends, definitely like leave us a review. Those are always helpful, even if it's just stars.
1: Yeah, we like feedback because um, I believe feedback is a gift. Yes. Right. And it takes time for someone to put it all together and give you feedback. Right. Right. Um, Even if it's not always like, you know, wrapped in a way that we want to hear it. Right, right. um, Feedback is a gift. So, Please give us feedback. We We welcome welcome. it.
0: Yeah, we appreciate it. Um, So if you want to tweet at us, we are uh, at whatislifecast on Twitter. We're also going to set up a Discord, like I said, where you can come on and uh, chat with the community, experience community with a bunch of like-minded folks.
1: Oh, and Chris is at Chris Furness on Twitter and Instagram. Yep. And I am at Ginny Juice on both Twitter and Instagram as well.
0: Yep. And Pink Bladesmith is Uh, your blacksmithing account. Yep your bladesmithing
1: account. My bladesmithing account. Blacksmithing, bladesmithing, I'm I'm using both because I do want to blacksmith more types of, op, different types of objects. Sure, not just Um, But knife making is gonna be like my main passion.
0: Right, right. Like yeah. if you wanted to make spoons and you were just a bladesmith, I, you'd have to make a sharp spoon. I,
1: <laughs> and so now I'm like, okay, how do, I need to get a swash block to make sure I have like the right divot so sure, yeah. I can like, you know, forge spoons, which is something I totally want to do, but I kind of want to get into like woodworking yeah. And carved spoons. So many possibilities. Bowls. Yeah,
0: it's amazing. So great. Right. Well, thanks for joining us. We <laughs> appreciate fun. you. And
1: I talk a lot, so this is great. <laughs> this
0: is a good outlet yeah. for sure. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot, everybody.
2: Bye.